Welcome to Future Out Loud from the School for the Future of Innovation in Society at Arizona State University. I'm Heather Ross. Together with Andrew Maynard, we bring you conversations with experts on and off campus where we think out loud about our collective future. In today's episode, Andrew and I continued on with the not rebranding, but reformatting of the Future Out Loud podcast. We, of course, are in the middle now of our mini-series on the future of elections. And we took a field trip. We left our offices on the campus of Arizona State University and went to the Arizona State Capitol, specifically the Executive Tower and the office of Arizona's Secretary of State, our Chief Election Officer, Katie Hobbs. We sat down with Katie to learn more about some of the challenges, some of the ways that we can use new and emerging technologies to ensure that voting and elections is just and fair in the state of Arizona in particular. We talked about the importance of relationships with counties. We talked about the importance of voters having trusted information resources as a means to combat voter suppression by disinformation efforts. We talked about voter registration, uh, both some of the challenges with processing voter registrations, which is done by county recorders, and maintaining voter registrations, which is done by the Secretary of State. Uh, We talked about some of the challenges with lobbyist reporting and transparency of government, and of course with public interest technology, an area that Arizona State University is very much involved in, and Andrew and I have a lot of interest in as well. At one point during the conversation, you'll hear uh, Secretary of State refer to Murphy. That is Murphy Hebert, the Director of Communications in the Arizona Secretary of State office, who was in the room for the podcast, uh, though didn't say anything during the podcast. So I want to make sure that you know uh, that when you hear Murphy, that's a person. It's a woman, a wonderful woman named Murphy Hebert. Uh, Without further, well, a little bit of further ado, before we get started, I do want to thank you for being part of the Future Out Loud podcast community. Thank you for listening. If you aren't already subscribed to Future Out Loud, you can do that wherever you listen to podcasts. Just hit the subscribe button. And then whenever we have a new episode, as we release every new episode of this election mini series, it'll just go right into your feed. You won't have to think twice about it. You might also be interested in sharing the Future Out Loud podcast with your friends and colleagues, anybody who might be interested in the future. And we would be so grateful if you do that as well. If you are interested in our old episodes, and maybe they're not just sitting in your podcast feed, you can find them at our website, which is futureoutloud.org. So now, without further ado, on with Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs in this part two of our election podcast miniseries. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Heather. Hello, Madam Secretary. Hi. Secretary Katie Hobbs. I'm so happy to say that. 
I'm happy to hear it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you. I'm really happy to, to have you with us on the podcast. So we are going to talk about, this is part of our series. Is that what we're calling it? A season? A season. Yes. On elections. And you are our chief elections officer in the state of Arizona. Um, and now we've had some problems in Arizona with voting and with elections. And we were part of, Arizona was part of the federal oversight. Um, until when was that? 2013, I believe. Yeah, until 2013. So it's fixed, right? That was a yes, I think. <laughs> well, um, I mean, clearly there are some serious problems mm-hmm. still with voting. Yeah. And um, one of the reasons that you ran for office mm-hmm. was to make sure that we have a just and equitable and fair elections and voting system Absolutely. in Arizona. Yeah, which is uh, great. And that's exactly what we all should want at all times. So one of the things that we focus on, of course, uh, in the School for the Future of Innovation Society is technology. So what are some of the ways that the Secretary of State's office is using technology to make sure that we have a just and fair election system. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, um, first of all, a lot of the um, issues that we've been having really have nothing to do with technology. It's about the relationships that the Secretary of State's office has with the counties. And it's okay. those county recorders on the ground that are you know, implementing the elections. But really, for them to do their job and us to do our job, we need to be working well together. And I think there, this the previous administration was really plagued with not having um, good collaborations with the counties. Um, we are working to fix that, um, and and that's not we're not just going to fix it and we're done. It's an ongoing process of continuing to listen and work with the counties, um, and try to help them have the resources they need. Uh, to, to do their jobs. So I think um, if you look back at the presidential preference election in 2016, uh-huh. um, you mentioned the preclearance under the Voting Rights Act that, that went away in 2013. That election would have never been allowed to happen the way that it did uh-huh. if, it was pre, if it was pre-cleared. But the bottom line is that the Secretary's office signed off on that really bad polling place plan. Um, and, uh, and that kind of started, was the first highlight that we had of all these really terrible problems. Um, and the fact is that um, there are communities in our state where those kind of problems happen every single election. Wow. Um, and it got a lot of attention because there were lines in Paradise Valley mm-hmm. um, and there were lines in Sun City where there isn't, there aren't usually lines. And that is, that's not just. And, and we need to make sure that every single eligible voter on election day has the ability to participate no matter what community they live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so there are ways that we can utilize t- technology to improve that access. Uh, but it really starts with those relationships with the county recorders and making sure that um, we have solid plans in place um, not just for election day, but leading up to election day, that mm-hmm. we're getting as many people as possible to vote early. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think one of the really exciting things in terms of um, technology and early voting, you know, we think always about the early ballots, the mail-in ballots. Mm-hmm. Um, but people can go to early bo- voting, early polling places um, in the 30 days before the election. They can um, verify their ID and 
we have the technology to print out ballots on demand and so you can go to any polling place you don't have to go to your polling place and you get the ballot that you're supposed to vote and that to me um, we should be utilizing that much more to make sure that early voting is much more accessible to people and then and that alleviates a lot of the really bad problems on election day so so this and i i can speak just as a, a Brit who really doesn't understand the system here. Well, I, I can get away American, with that. You were a voter in the Shh, United States. You're not of supposed America. to tell them that. Yes. <laughs> <Why>? <laughs> That's publicly available. That's just blown my cover. <laughs> um, but but it all, always strikes me um, that I mean, we're talking about technology, early voting, and if you look at that just as a way of doing things, is such an obviously easy mm-hmm. way of alleviating some of these problems yeah. and yet it seems like many people sort of won't go that route and I, I'm interested in your your experiences of how hard it is to get people to really embrace early voting mm-hmm. as opposed to really wanting to be there in person. Yeah I think that um, that election day experience is sort of um, this American thing and people want to participate in it. Right and, and get the sticker. So, yes. And so yes and so what we're seeing a lot of is people who who vote early and they take advantage of the convenience of having that ballot in their home and being able to fill it out at their leisure but then dropping it off at a polling place on election day. Right. Um, and when you see the delays in counting ballots it's not counting ballots that takes a long time it's verifying the signature on those early ballots that get dropped off on election day. Mm-hmm. And so but that is, I mean, what, you know, one of the things that I'm really committed to doing is making sure that as many eligible voters can participate and they can participate in a way that's convenient and meaningful to them. And, and that election day experience is really meaningful for a lot of people. And I think that is a big reason why folks um, show up on election day, whether it's casting their ballot at the polling place or dropping off their, yeah. their early ballot. And that meaningful bit actually is, is something that I think is overlooked a lot. When people talk about the, the system and technology, they tend to just talk about how easy is it for somebody to vote rather mm-hmm. than thinking about what the value is for that person that's mm-hmm. voting. So, okay, so let's talk about the, the value for the person of that voting mm-hmm. and the um, what goes into a person voting. And, you know, one of the things that I think the public has increasing concerns about, though it's really not thing new in America is uh, misinformation Mm -hmm. uh, that is purveyed as part of the electoral process. Mm -hmm. So what does the Secretary of State's office uh, do about that? Well, um, really, um, that misinformation is one of the biggest security threats to our elections. Um, I mean, we're all aware of potential possible actually hacking that has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have ways to defend against that. But this um, kind of the messages out there on social media mm-hmm. um, and there are, are, are um, organized campaigns to, to spread this misinformation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we hear about the, the bots on Twitter and sure. they're, the, they're, they're deliberately spreading this information to um, undermine the public's confidence in our election system. And so what we can do is really strong education campaigns to make sure people have this understanding, I need to get my election information from a trusted source. And mm-hmm. if, if I'm hearing something that doesn't seem right or it's different than other information I got, I can go to this Secretary of State website, Arizona.vote, to mm-hmm. um, confirm, verify, get the right information. So, uh, yes, and for the people who might be more likely to fall prey Mm -hmm. to this kind of misinformation, which 
I'm guessing is going to turn right around and say, oh, the, you know, the establishment's lying to you and all of this kind of thing. How do you combat that as the Secretary of State's office? And how do you say, no, no, really listen to us. Like, really, we're not lying to you. Yeah. Again, you know, this, the, 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 um, the misinformation we're seeing is really pervasive and it, it changes based on people's responses to it. And so I think it's incumbent on us to engage, Mm -hmm. um, you know, surrogates on the ground because people on social media listen to other people they trust. And so um, if it's not just us giving the information, but people that they are friends with on social media that Mm -hmm. provide the same information, that is going to help counter that as much as possible. So at the end of the day, it's never the technology. It's always people. Would you, I mean, Andrew, that's but, kind but of what we talk about. It, it is, but you've got to have that platform. So even if you're yeah. talking about circuits on social media, yeah. they've got to have that medium that yes. they mm-hmm. communicate mm-hmm. through. Yeah. So I think it's it's got to be a combination of the two, but at the end of the day, it's people that matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you hear from around the country of other states, you know, chief voting officers um, and chief elections officers? Um, is that kind of um, approach and leveraging the trusted sources on the ground, is that pretty much what's working elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, this um, the issue of election security is kind of top of mind for every election official mm-hmm. I've talked to since I've been in office. Mm-hmm. Um, and was recently at a conference where we had a security briefing and you know I think as a new secretary walking into that was kind of expecting like here's all these high-tech tools that you can use and that really wasn't um, the message we got and these were um, officials from DHS, FBI, you know all the intelligence community Mm -hmm. um, really reiterating the same thing around it's these this pervasive um, misinformation on social media and it's the hardest thing there is to combat so okay Wow. Wow. I mean, and yeah, it is hard to come back because it's at the, the level of the individual mm-hmm. and how do you manage, you know, how many I, I, and we all know, of individuals per state? I was going to say, we all know what it's like if we have strong beliefs and somebody seems to reinforce them. We tend not to do those internal checks and balances. Right. We just sort of absorb it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so trying to counter that is, is really tough. Yeah, exactly. Now, the Secretary of State's office is not the only... Um, set of election officials mm-hmm. in Arizona. Um, we've got the county recorders. We have another podcast episode with our Maricopa yep. County recorder, Adrian Fontes. And we also in Arizona have this Clean Elections Commission. Mm-hmm. So how do those... Um, I'm guessing that the work to address misinformation mm-hmm. as a threat to election security is something that happens with all three sets of agencies, yeah? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And again, um, it goes back to building those collaborations with the counties mm-hmm. um, so that we're on the same page in terms of the messages that we need to be giving to voters. Mm-hmm. Um, Arizona.vote links the county elected official election officials, um, and likewise, I think the counties, you know, they can link back to us so that that message is reinforced. Um, no matter which election official you're going to for the information, um, and we also need to um, work on building a relationship with the Clean Election Commission. One of their primary missions is voter education. So we have this resource that really has been untapped in our state Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of voter education. um, And the counties are working really well with them, but our office in the past hasn't. Um, And so we're working on rebuilding that so that we can um, not have to reinvent the wheel, 
um, but utilize the the um, resources that they already have in place to provide voter education. Okay. And I think in general, whether it's you know election security we're talking about, um, uh, engaging more voters um, and that social justice aspect of it, um, election uh, uh, voter engagement and education is a really important piece of that. And, and when you talk about voter education, can you just talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. what that means in your head? Um, I think um, I'm not a normal person and I think about <laughs> politics all the time. And most people involved in politics um, do, but the general public probably thinks about it less than 2% of the time. Right. Um, and uh, so even the idea that there's an election coming up and we're all super hyper-focused on it and most people aren't, they might not even, it might not even be on their radar until the weekend before the election, uh-huh. right? And so um, having information about where to go vote, how to find out about the candidates. You know, um, we, we have this misconception that voting is easy for everybody. Mm-hmm. And there's any number of reasons why it's not. And just that the idea that it's not on someone's radar until right before is one of those factors. Um, and so I think um, having information that's accessible to to everybody, folks who think about it all the time and folks who wake up on Sunday and be like, oh, there's an election Tuesday. I need to figure out what's <laughs> going panic, on. Some panic, yes. Yeah. And so, and, and um, I think, too, to have those voters understand that their voice in the process matters as much as the person who was paying attention two years ago, right? Yes. So, um, so, so, so I think it's just... And and I am I can I'm a pretty educated voter and I was trying to figure out how early voting worked in Maricopa County mm-hmm. and I went to the Maricopa County recorder's website and um, no offense to Murphy because she worked there but um, <laughs> but um, uh, I, I was very confused mm-hmm. and um, folks were going to the um, they were calling them bonus vote centers on election day and getting provisional ballots. And that was confusing to them. And so they Mm -hmm. thought their vote wasn't going to count. And so, um, so as someone who's a a pretty educated voter, having trouble deciphering through that information, we just need to make the information a lot more accessible and understandable. Absolutely. Well, I was even just this past weekend was out talking to voters about a municipal election. And I had people tell me, oh, I just saw in the paper that you can't drop off your ballot at polling places anymore. And I was like, no, no, no. That was something that is going through the legislature, Mm -hmm. but hopefully won't even pass. And I say hopefully, and I will stake that claim. Mm -hmm. I think that we should make voting as accessible Mm -hmm. as possible to every eligible voter. Um, So I am not into voter suppression. We also hope that bill doesn't pass. Yes, (laughs) for the record, for the record. (laughs) But Andrew. No, I I was just going to say, how do you fix those problems? Because it's like almost any problem when it comes to effective communication. Um, it looks really easy when you can see the problems, right. but when you come to fix it, mm-hmm. it's amazing how difficult it is just to provide clear, straightforward information. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, testing it with people um, at all different levels of engagement, you know, does this make sense to you? Do you understand it? Um, and, um, you know, there's a lot of science behind how, you know, what information works and what doesn't and how different pieces of information work. So, um, you know, I think it's being able to test all that. And I mean, that obviously takes a lot of resources right. that we may or may not have. <laughs> right. But, um, well, that I was going to ask, what are you, what are your plans? What What's your 
optimal plan for being able to test that and roll that out doing though you know that there's a real science to that kind mm-hmm. of testing so how, how are you going to do yeah. that well as i mentioned um we have sort of this resource that's been untapped in the clean election commission mm-hmm. and they have some already strategies in place that are, are have been effective um so um working with them um and looking at how we can just enhance what they're already doing, I think is um, probably the the way that we can make the most of the limited resources that we have. Okay, good. Yeah. Are, are there other places, in fact, do you even look at sort of what other um, states and counties around the country do and look at best practices? Oh, absolutely, yes, right. yeah. So there's that resource as well, I, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. Yeah, and we're a member of the National Association of Secretaries mm-hmm. of State, um, so that's where we kind of get most of that uh, collaboration with other States. So I'm just imagining a, you know, Secretary of State WeChat, like, mm-hmm. around the country, <laughs> and everybody's constantly texting, like, my daughter's basketball team. Yeah. Um, okay, so so that's talking about, you know, election security and what mm-hmm. goes into the election process in terms of misinformation. But if we back up, and, you know, we talked about um, making elections as accessible as, as mm-hmm. humanly possible... Um, one of the things I know that we have here in Arizona is third-party registrations, mm-hmm. and there's some challenges with that. So what are, what's going on with that? Right. So um, so I think that's one of the biggest um, issues around voter registration that we're looking to streamline and as utilize technology as much as possible to do that. So um, so groups that that do a lot of voter registration, one of the things that they need or want um, is to be able to go back and tap into those voters and make sure they're getting out to vote. Mm -hmm. And so um, they utilize the paper registration forms because that gives them access to the voters' data. They photocopy those forms before they turn them in or whatever they do to capture the information. Um, But those paper forms are really problematic um, they go to the counties, mm-hmm. and then the county recorders need to have the um, the human power to um, uh, convert those into electronic voter registrations. That's someone sitting at a computer and putting the information in. Um, that's a lot of resources, and and they're getting probably big batches of these at a time. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, the forms are either incomplete or illegible, okay. and so they're not able to complete that voter registration. So then somebody out there who thinks they're registered actually isn't because right. they, um, they, um, the form wasn't f- filled out completely. So the best way to fix that is to have a way for these third-party organizations who want to register voters and want to make sure they're getting those voters out to vote um, can do it electronically, mm-hmm. but then still have access to the data. So we're um, we're uh, going to be working with the MVD who handles the Service Arizona, which is the online registration portal, um, on ways that we can help facilitate that so that oh, okay. um, so that those um, registrations can be complete. Um, they're saving resources from the counties. And um, and and that those organizations can still have the information that they want, and um, and that we get those folks registered to vote. Okay. Uh, so so now I know that in some other states, and we anybody who was paying attention to national politics heard Stacey Abrams mm-hmm. last cycle yep. talking about these similar kinds of problems with people not being registered, mm-hmm. but. Uh, pointed to the Georgia Secretary of State's office mm-hmm. as kicking out yep. these registrations. Yep. Is that a problem here in Arizona? Um, you know, I don't. Um, our office, um, we work with the counties um, on the voter registration system. Um, I, 
I don't know that we have the ability to kick out registrations, but oh, okay. it's a di you know every state has their own system. And just uh, in the um, in, in terms of thinking about um, you know you mentioned the illegibility mm -hmm. piece. Um, you know, how do you determine that it's illegible? Because illegible for me, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. I am a nurse. I used to, in the hospital, I had to decipher physicians' horrible handwriting mm -hmm. and, you know, make life or death decisions based right. on that. So illegible yeah. to me may be something different than right. illegible right, right, to right. a clerk in the Secretary of State's office. So how do you determine illegible? I'm just curious. Yeah. Is it a scanned kind of? Well, so it's it's the, you know, the paper form. And it's, it's those forms are in triplicate. And mm -hmm. Copy goes to the voter, and I don't know who gets the second copy, mm -hmm. but then you're getting one page of the copy. So um, it's really the person who's sitting down at the computer trying to transcribe mm -hmm. this into the computer. Um, so, and it, it, a different person in every county recorder's office. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so it's certainly not a standard right. thing. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then is there a mechanism to let uh, people know when? A voter registration form has been deemed illegible. Is there a mechanism to mm -hmm. let that? There's nothing. Okay. No. Okay. I mean, because the thing is, maybe it's the maybe it's the phone number that they can't read, or you know. Okay. And mm. so the the only the only thing a voter has to know whether they're registered or not mm -hmm. is that they're going to get that voter registration card in the mail from their county recorder. And but not everybody know. I mean, these third party groups are reaching out to marginalized folks they're yeah. people who haven't engaged so they don't know all the rules and the way that this works and they don't maybe even know to expect hey I'm gonna get this card in the mail and if I don't that means there's a problem and I should check it out okay so that to me definitely sounds like a, a space for technology intervention so mm -hmm. how do you make yeah. the system better yeah. using yeah. technology Absolutely. yeah yes. well and we've done um, in the in the Maricopa County recorders office and I'm sure you'll talk with Adrian more about this but um, and I, I I don't know which other counties are utilizing it but it's certainly available um, you can sign up on the website for text messages yes. and they will confirm that your ballot was received mm -hmm. They will confirm that your ballot's been verified mm -hmm. in terms of the signature. They'll confirm that your ballot's been counted. Um, and that is such a great use of technology that we can expand, I think, to other aspects of what um, what the county recorders are doing in terms of voting. Sure, mm. absolutely. Yeah. Yes. The counties yeah. and you know the municipalities that have their own elections departments mm -hmm. as yeah. well. And I think that's confusing for a lot mm -hmm. of voters. Um, well, and it brings calls to mind one of the things that we talk about increasingly at ASU and nationally is the idea of public interest technology. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, technology interventions that are specifically aimed at solving social problems. Yes, 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 or effectively creating social value or social worth, whether that's helping government work better or mm -hmm. whether it's using technology in the service of society rather than the service of just making your profits. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things that we're doing at ASU is making a real effort to educate people and train people in public interest technology and people with that technological understanding and capability and also a really solid understanding of how social systems work and mm -hmm. how government agencies work and things like this to be at that interface. I mean, is that something this is like 
the most leading question I think mm-hmm. I've ever yeah. asked on a podcast. <laughs> right. But is that something? Would you employ that, somebody? Like yeah, that? but like is that something? Do you see that there is is an opportunity or need for that in state government? Uh, you've been, uh, you know, you've been in other branches of mm-hmm. government at, at the state level, at other levels. Is that something that's, uh, if it's maybe not quite missing, could there be more of it? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I like um, having spent eight years in the legislature and sitting on the Joint Legislative Budget Committee, which approves like every big project that the state does, any mm-hmm. state entity that spends dollars, um, the amount of IT resources mm-hmm. throughout the state is huge. Okay. Um, and the amount of outdated technology that we're still using in the state, even just in our office, is huge. Okay. Um, and um, I mean, it, it, the state government is a giant bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew that coming into the legislature. I saw it more in the legislature and now being the head of a state agency, um, even more. So mm-hmm. um, so I think that that the process of getting to that point is a very slow process and needs champions at every level mm-hmm. of government to make it happen. Okay. Um, I think, um, and and even if there's those champions, they're still going to be like the slow wheels of the government bureaucracy. So, mm-hmm. um, so, so I, I hear what you're saying and I think it's very, something that'd be very valuable. I think getting there is, um, really hard in state government so okay yeah that's fair yeah yeah so so but here's a very personal slant mm-hmm. on this so in, in your position you're responsible for for things working which means yep. that you've got to have some sort of intuitive sense mm-hmm. of how to even have these conversations yes. around systems and technology yep. um where do you get your knowledge and your understanding mm-hmm. from who do you rely on so we have um a really great it department here and um you know they have there's a lot of things that they have been chomping at the bit to mm-hmm. implement um, and they were just really held back by the last administration mm-hmm. in terms of what their priorities were. Okay. Um, and um, an example, we all the lobbyist registration and filings are through our office, and that system that's utilized for that is on its last legs. Okay. Um, you're supposed to be able to file your reports online, but you really can't. Oh. And um, it's a mess, and it's been a priority for them to try to um, update it for mm-hmm. a while but it was not a priority for the last administration. Okay. So, and, and you know, um, it's an inconvenience and a pain for lobbyists, but for me, as someone who's focused on making government more transparent mm-hmm. and accountable, it's, accountab- it's accountability. And mm-hmm. if that system breaks, and we all of a sudden can't have lobbyists register or file the reports or have those accessible to the public online, there's a problem with transparency there. Yes. Um, and so, um, so anyway, sorry that I kind of went off on a tangent there. No, but, it's, um, it's not but a our, tangent. That's our, the crux right. of so the our, job, right? So our IT department has a, a list of everything they do and a list of the projects they're working on and the list of the projects that they want to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, you know, early in the administration, you know, working on helping to prioritize those and where do we have resources to do the things that we want to do. And um, so so I don't know if that totally answers your question in terms of kind of where do I get the knowledge. But, um, I mean, we've been 
go drinking from a fire hose um, at a bunch of different election conferences um, mm-hmm. with um, NAS, uh, the National Association of Secretaries of State, and then okay. some other folks that are working in, in the election space. Mm-hmm. Um, so really just kind of assembling all this information yeah. and still processing a lot of it in terms of what we need to be focused and, and on. That, that's what fascinates me because you're right, it is such a fire hose. Mm-hmm. And if you're mm-hmm. trying to juggle everything else yep. on top of this stream of information coming in, yeah. um, and this is where it fascinates me that sort of the question of when your IT department comes to you and says, we've just got this fantastic idea, we've mm-hmm. just got to invest in this particular technology. Mm-hmm. How do you work out whether they're just trying to sort of follow a pet project or yeah. whether this is really valuable? Um, you know, that's um, I'm going to flip that question because it's really not. It's, our IT department is really acting as the screen on all of those things. Okay, right. Because as soon as I got in, as soon as I got elected, uh-huh. I had all these people reaching out to me. Oh, we have this product uh-huh. that will help. And election security is the big thing right now. So you need and a so stage Everybody gate. wants yeah. to sell their product or. You know, we can help with this or that. And so it's kind of, um, uh, you know, screening those requests so we know what's really valuable. Mm. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So what... I have two questions. Yeah. One, what was the th- most surprising thing to you that you thought you knew but mm-hmm. uh, maybe is a little bit different now that you are the Secretary of State? Yeah. And then the follow-on to that is... What is the most important thing that you think uh, citizens, voters, should know that they don't already know? Hmm. Okay. Uh, surprising thing. Um, the, the, the level of the lack of leadership that was in the previous administration. Okay. Um, I mean, clearly there was public awareness that there were a lot of issues in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, but what that led to inside the agency was a lot of just low morale. Okay. Um, and folks are just sort of breathing a sigh of relief mm-hmm. um, since January 7th at noon. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and I think, you know, I served with Michelle in the Senate. Mm-hmm. And I, she was really good in the Senate. Um, I just don't know that she was prepared to do this job okay. um, or that she wanted to do the job. I think she was interested in being next in line to the governor. Okay. Um, and so um, I just think there was a lack of leadership. I mean, she was pretty checked out, um, and uh, her the folks that she brought in didn't do her any favors. Okay. If I could, though, just interject yeah. one little thing. Speaking as uh, somebody who's been a candidate mm-hmm. for office, the ability to collect uh, nominating petition signatures yeah. online, which, if I'm not mistaken, was something that she did bring to the office. No? no. Oh, okay. It was before. Okay. Um, one of the things... Well, she kept it at least, and yes. I appreciated that. Yes. Um, <laughs> and um, a bill was passed to expand that system and make it available to every jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. Um, in reality, that hasn't happened yet because oh, okay. they didn't... Um, allocate their resources to the IT department to get that developed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They were completely focused on see the money, which mm-hmm. is a whole other yes, I have a whole podcast that. about that. Um, which um, uh, eventually will be good and work. Yes. But um, but yeah. So 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 that didn't happen. And um, you know we could also expand that to do ballot initiatives, and that was not something that their office championed as well. Oh, so, okay, yeah. great. Okay, so yeah. okay, so that was the most surprising thing yeah. with a rabbit hole that I introduced. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> what should 
what should people know that they don't already know? Yeah, I think that um, I'm going to go back to the getting your information from a trusted source. I mean, I um, am particularly in tune because I'm in politics and particularly, particularly because I was running for secretary of state, which is the chief election officer. But every time I saw some people and they were they were well-meaning, they weren't these bots that were trying to plant misinformation, but Mm -hmm. putting out information that wasn't out totally accurate about how to Uh vote or what to do um i would correct it Uh and um and i just think voters need to make sure that they're getting their information from a trusted source um and not that these folks were were had bad intentions but that they they weren't getting their information from a trusted source they were putting out not necessarily totally accurate information so um so um arizona.vote or the county recorder for whatever county is the best way to get the right information that you Okay. So bottom line, Arizona.vote. Yes. All yes. Right. And you can scale that across the country for all mm-hmm. our listeners who aren't in Arizona. Imagine that. Yes. All right. Katie, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. For more where that came from, check out the School for the Future of Innovation and Society at sfis.asu.edu. Future Out Loud is produced with the support of the School for the Future of Innovation and Society and the Risk Innovation Lab at ASU. Mark Van Hare created our music. Our website is futureoutloud.org. Subscribe to Future Out Loud on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your fine podcasts.